This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Wednesday. A lot of shit to talk about tonight. God damn. I'm, I'm not supposed to cuss in the first few minutes of the video in order to help optimize my performance on YouTube. I can't help myself. I'm not doing anything about this whole streaming in a way that you're supposed to. I promise you. If you, if you wanted to be popular and make money on YouTube, you would do the opposite of what I'm doing. But, but, that doesn't matter. We are ethical and pure on this stream. Tonight, video of people spitting on each other over gasoline, over this 100%. I I don't want to call it a made-up crisis because it's real. But it's... It's been like a self-fulfilling prophecy where people are making runs on the pump and causing a shortage of gasoline and it's causing fights to break out. As I understand it, this is particularly bad in the southeast region. I don't know how the rest of the country is. We're going to be talking about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that continues to escalate we're going to watch an awesome clip from Mehdi Hassan where he confronts an Israeli official about war crimes. Plus, we're going to get into the whole Liz Cheney GOP drama. There's a whole group of Republicans that are wanting to reform the party away from Trump. But clearly, as we saw today with the vote, the party belongs to Trump. Plus updates on the mass shooting in Colorado. The shooting that took place over the weekend in Times Square. The suspect has been arrested. We're going to talk about the teen who murdered the cheerleader. He took a crazy fucking like Snapchat in the back of the cop car. Normally I wouldn't touch a story like that, but that's fascinating to me. Plus, a judge has dismissed the NRA petition for bankruptcy. Meaning that it is highly likely there's not going to be an NRA in the very near future. Plus, we're going to talk about unemployment and the supposed jobs crisis. 2021 seems to be the year of the manufactured Republican crisis. From the crisis at the border for the crisis... Uh, that's the worker shortage. Dan Crenshaw finally returns to social media after taking a hiatus from not having an eyeball. Oh shit, I don't have it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta do something here. Because anytime Dan Crenshaw comes up, I've got to remind everybody... I've not used it since. 
we got the new graphics, so I've got to go and pull it in here. Hold on, give me, give me one second, one second. Never forget that I really want to piss in Dan Crenshaw's open eye hole. I would get anything to piss in Dan Crenshaw's open eye hole. That is so horrible of me. Oh shit! That was a false alarm. I didn't mean to hit that one. We don't have a Smokey. My apologies. He's asleep over there on the cat tree. <laughs> the smoky cam didn't work out very well. That was an idea I toyed with. However, he kept knocking it over. He didn't like the camera on him over there. Even though he loves jumping up on my lap and trying to get attention while we're, while we're doing a stream. Yeah, I'm talking about you, dude. So here we go. This is at a marathon station in North Carolina. This happened yesterday, it seems. <laughs> Your buddy in the Honda tried to cut. Like, the fuck is you doing, bro? Wow. Yo, she spit on this nigga. Oh, shit. No! Oh, he hugged shit. a loogie at her! Oh my god, we gotta fight! Yo. Spitting on each other in the middle of a pandemic. Well, I guess not the middle of a pandemic. Maybe towards the end. Maybe, possibly. Get shit into the street. Kicked her shit into the street! The dispute occurred after the woman's car collided with the man's after she tried to cut a line for a gas pump at a marathon station in Nightdale. The Instagram user said, according to local news station WRAL, the man was charged with assault on a female as well as damage to personal property after Nightdale cops responded to the incident. The woman, meanwhile, was handed a simple assault charge. The incident occurred amid concerns of running out of fuel throughout the East Coast after the Colonial Pipeline was closed down following a ransomware attack. Now, just this afternoon, breaking news. We are getting word that Colonial has restarted operations after said cyber attack. Colonial Pipeline said Wednesday it has initiated the restart of pipeline operations after suffering a cyber attack while warning it would take several days for supply to return to normal. The restart of operations around 5 p.m. Eastern is welcome news across the southeast, which was gripped by a wave of panic buying that led to severe gasoline shortages over the last two days. The hoarding of gasoline happened after Colonial said it would suspend supplies through a critical pipeline following the cyber attack. The announcement comes as stations have been pumping out a day's worth of fuel in a matter of hours, and a growing number are going empty. 
The Consumer Product Safety Commission has been begging Americans not to put fuel into plastic bags, which just seems like goddamn common sense. Or anything else not designed to carry gasoline. Governors have been declaring states of emergency while pleading with residents not to panic buy or fill up their tanks when they do not need to. Requests that so far seem futile because it's the U.S. This is America. The concern over gasoline availability has taken on a life of its own and sparked a self-perpetuating problem. Concerns over potential shortages are driving panic buying and hoarding, which is then creating actual shortages. Those shortages then go on to spur even more panic buying, aggravating the situation even further. All this is happening even as the country has substantial stockpiles of gasoline. It's getting them to places in need and calming the panic that are proving the twin challenges. You know I've got my gasoline bag ready. I've already filled up three bags. I And I don't even have a fucking car. I am just going to start auctioning them off like, you know, people did fucking toilet paper last year. Welcome, Tones, Warlord. Good evening. While it may feel like a shortage, the United States isn't running out of gas. And every facet of this industry is working to get that gasoline to you. This according to Susan Grissom, Chief Industry Analyst at the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers Trade Group. What are you guys seeing? Is there gas shortages where you are? According to data from the app Gas Buddy, as of Wednesday afternoon, at least 40% of gas stations reported having no gasoline in Virginia, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, but Washington, D.C., Florida, Maryland, and Tennessee all had outages of at or more than 10%. At Oh, outages at more than 10% of stations. Those statewide averages don't capture the scope of the problem in certain metro areas, however, as a number of southern cities are experiencing outages at 75% of their gas stations or even more. The places like Greenville, Spartanburg, Asheville, Raleigh-Durham, Charlotte. Meanwhile, the average price of gasoline in the U.S., thanks Biden, has topped $3 a gallon for the first time in seven years. By the way, there was a fight going on on my page when I got off of the stream last night. A bunch of right-wingers were calling me an idiot because I posted... Uh, the time when gas was $4 a gallon under Republican George W. Bush, and I posted the time when it was $1.70 a gallon under Barack Obama. I was a little off of my figures. I think I posted $1.40 first time. Now, that could be possibly because the figure where I got $1.40 from was looking at regular gasoline. Perhaps... The $1.70 figure, which I got from a reputable source, whatever the the National Highway Safety Institute, whatever the source was, was probably premium, all that averaged in. So you're, you're still good. You don't need gas. 
Are there shortages in your area, though? That's what I'm wondering, because I like I don't go outside. I don't know what's like out there. I would assume people are dumb fucks in my area, though. It did not mention Alabama on the list of dumb fuck places for once. So perhaps not. The White House on Wednesday said the Department of Transportation would allow states, including Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, and Virginia, to use interstate highways to transport overweight loads of gasoline. The Biden administration has already taken a series of actions to deal with the supply disruptions, including temporarily lifting or easing a number of regulations in an attempt to boost the availability of gasoline in affected regions. Oh, okay. Because it didn't... the, The ransom attack took place over the weekend, but the panic didn't really set in until yesterday. The fight that we watched just a little bit ago where people were spitting on each other, that was yesterday. The DOT has waived hours of work limits for truckers carrying fuel while the Environmental Protection Agency has eased some... That's just what we need. Truckers that are already tired and worn out driving extra hours with fuel over... overloaded (laughs) loads of fuel on interstate highways... What could go wrong? The administration is considering a waiver of the Jones Act, which mandates only U.S.-built ships can deliver between U.S. ports to allow more ships to help move gasoline up the coast. Individual states are also easing restrictions and urging calm, telling residents that panicking to run out and buy gasoline is counterproductive. Correct! In Alabama... Speak of the devil. Governor Meemaw, I'm sorry, Governor K. Ivey emphasized on Tuesday, that's what she's referred to as affectionately here in Alabama. She did finally win an election last year? Maybe year before last. She was actually a replacement for Skeletor, Governor Skeletor who was involved in the sex scandal, because of course he was. In Alabama, Governor Kay Ivey emphasized on Tuesday that a shortage has not reached Alabama at this time, that an overreaction would only create a problem for a state that has so far been spared. In Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp lifted weight limits for fuel trucks in the state and temporarily suspended the gas tax. That kind of seems counterproductive to to suspend the gas tax. (laughs) Last week, hackers attacked Colonial Pipeline to hold its software systems for ransom. Concerned about what the hackers might be able to do with control of its computer systems, the the company shut down its entire pipeline system, which delivers around 45% of the East Coast gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. That caused a disruption in supplies, raising particular concern for the Southeast, which relies heavily on pipelines and trucks for fuel. The Northeast can turn to shipments by sea from Europe. Trucks can help compensate for pipeline outage, but the industry is currently constrained by a shortage of qualified drivers. 
Sounds like they're not paying enough. All right, so we're going to start tonight uh, with the Israel-Palestine story with the Wall Street Journal, which I expect to be tainted heavily towards the American view, the Zionist view, if you will. Then we're going to hear from Mehdi Hassan, who had a fantastic interview with his, with an Israeli official. So this is what context we are reading from the Wall Street Journal. What's behind the escalating Israeli and Palestinian conflict? Confrontation sparked by tensions old and new threatens to deepen the region's turmoil. Let's watch their video. This is footage from airstrikes in Gaza. A Hamas commander has indeed been killed. That has been confirmed by Hamas. Insane footage. The IDF says it was targeting uh, Hamas buildings, but... They did indeed hit civilian targets. We found out from a report by the UN in 2014 that 80% of the casualties in that conflict, in the previous conflict, the years before 2014, 80% turned out to be civilian casualties. Palestinian Health Ministry officials Say the Israeli air campaign has killed at least 65 people since Monday. At least seven Israelis have died in intense Hamas rocket barrages that began Monday evening. We know at least seven of the 65 were children. At least. So this is Benjamin Netanyahu saying this is just the beginning. We will strike them with hits they did not dream of. I want to just take a minute uh, to discuss. This is the U.S. Secretary of State. West Bank in Gaza. We're deeply concerned uh, about what we're seeing there. Uh, images that uh, came out overnight uh, are harrowing, and the loss of any civilian life uh, is a tragedy. So these are Hamas rockets. Or they, they call that the Iron Dome or whatever it is. Their anti-missile defense system. This is in Gaza. The most severe airstrike since 2014, according to the Wall Street Journal. Clashes between Palestinians and Israeli police in the contested city of Jerusalem have escalated with Israeli striking scores of targets in Gaza. Now, Israeli settlements in the West Bank are not internationally recognized. Israel is in violation of international law. Let's make that perfectly clear. So contested city is a weird way of saying that. 
with Israel striking scores of targets in Gaza in response to hundreds of rockets that were launched by Palestinian militants. So far, 56 Palestinians, including 14 children, I said at least 7, 14 children, and 7 Israelis, including one child, have died in the fighting. The confrontation, sparked by tensions old and new, threatens to deepen the region's turmoil. A full-blown war could force the U.S. to shift attention to the Middle East when it has been focused on Russia, China, and battling the coronavirus. Jerusalem has experienced its worst violence in years with Palestinians and Israeli police clashing. We saw the video yesterday. The Israeli police were clearly antagonistic towards the Palestinian people. Tensions rose sharply over a looming Israeli Supreme Court decision on whether to uphold the eviction. It's not an eviction. Eviction applies they have the authority. They do not. To uphold the eviction of Palestinian families from their homes in the, strategi- in the strategically situated Sheikh Jarrah. Hundreds of Palestinians have been injured in the clashes with police using flash grenades, tear gas, and sponge-tipped bullets. Sponge-tipped bullets? I I believe it was rubber-tipped bullets. And those... Sponge-tipped is a weird way to say that rubber bullets definitely cause internal injuries. They're not like little bee stings. More than 20 Israeli police have been injured. Compound where the mosque is located, known to Muslims as the Noble Sanctuary and as the Temple Mount to Jews, has become a focal point of Palestinian anger over what they see as years of efforts to push them out of Jerusalem and limit their access to land they claim. Rubber-coated steel, exactly. Thank you, that's a more accurate description. I was trying to remember, we, w- we read a story last night and it described it like that, I think. Rubber-coated steel. I was trying to think of that term. The Palestinians are also claiming that they are infringing on their basic rights. They are! Right-wing Israeli efforts to assert control in East Jerusalem, which Israel claims as part of its undivided capital, have inflamed the situation. Monday was especially tense as young right-wing Israelis participated in marches associated with Jerusalem Day meant to commemorate Israel's capture of East Jerusalem in 1967. Now, basically, the Jews think they have claim to the land from, like, the biblical sense from back in goddamn Moses' days. After the fall of the Ottoman Empire, it was, it was Palestine... The British Empire owned a chunk of the fucking land, helped create the Jewish state following World War II. And ever since then, Israel has been taking over more and more and more of the Palestinian land to where it's pretty much not Palestinian land anymore. Now that is a complete oversimplification of what's going on in a very, very complex situation. But I think I summed it up pretty good. 
the uh, that's that's a whole nother. I just wanted to talk about the tensions between the Palestinians and the Israelis. You add in the whole Christians who think that helping the Jews take over the land ushers in the apocalypse. And you that's the reason why the US has been on a very specific side of this conflict. And you get this powder keg that we're sitting on right now. Not to mention the fact that Israel has become this huge tourist destination for dumb fuck baby boom Christians. And the Israeli people fucking love their money. <laughs> so thanks to the power of the evangelical coalition in this country funneling money, the U.S. government, I think it's something like a billion dollars a year they give to Israel. Of course the United States is on the side of ushering in the apocalypse. Of course. <laughs> All right, so continuing on with the Wall Street Journal article. Why are Israel and Gaza ruler Hamas? they got to throw Hamas in there. And that's, that's another thing that really, really... Now, Hamas is the name of the organization that has power in Palestine. What power you can have the Palestinian Authority? There used to be there used to be a thing called the Palestinian Authority. That's Hamas now. That that coalition dissolved. I don't well I don't know about dissolved. It might still exist somehow. Hamas began firing rockets towards Israel on Monday evening after the militant group. I don't I don't really know if you can call them a militant group anymore issued an ultimatum to Israel police forces to leave the Al-Aqsa uh, Mosque, I'm sure I butchered that, and other areas in the contested city or else face attacks. The cross-border clashes are the worst since 2014, with Hamas sending hundreds of rockets toward central Israel. Because, uh, like, the way... I might be mistaken on this, but I think the way they resolved things in 2014 was to recognize Hamas as an actual authority. Or that happened sometime after the ceasefire in 2014. Some of the first rockets were aimed at Jerusalem, which Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said was a red line. Since Monday evening, Hamas and Palestinian, uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad have launched more than 1,000 rockets towards Israel, which has responded with aerial attacks that the Palestinian medical services say have killed 56 people, including 14 children. And once again, they're just they're just fucking lobbing missiles at a at a fucking air defense system that's gonna just knock them down. Israel says it has killed dozens of operatives of Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Gaza's second largest militant group. Six Israelis, including one child, have died in rocket attacks and one soldier was killed by an anti-tank missile. Hamas, the de facto ruler of the Gaza Strip since it seized control in 2007, says it will continue to fight until Israel changes course in Jerusalem. Israel says it wants Hamas, which the U.S. and other Western countries consider a terrorist group, to get the message that it won't accept attacks on its citizens and cities. All right, so let's move on to 
Mehdi Hassan, who's going to have a fantastic interview here with Israeli Embassy Spokesperson Elad Stromeyer. Joining me now is Elad Stromeyer, spokesperson for the Israeli embassy here in the United States. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Uh, given 500 Palestinian children were killed in the 2014 Gaza war, according to both the UN and human rights groups, how worried should we be tonight that Israel is about to launch another full-scale assault, maybe an invasion of Gaza? I haven't watched much of Mehdi Hassan's show, but I'm very familiar with his work at The Intercept. <laughs> Wow, right out of the gate. Fantastic question. Thank you, Mary, for inviting me. I think the question you're asking is something to refer to Hamas spokespeople. Because eventually, the reality on the ground is that quiet will be responded by quiet. Sounds like victim blaming to me. Threaten Israeli civilians for firing rockets indiscriminately towards Israeli towns. Uh, then we're going to be forced to respond and respond forcefully. And by the way, this is not just Israel. Any country in the world would have done the same if their cities were attacked under constant attack uh, by rockets, by terrorist organizations. That's smart, Rometty. I mean... I mean, any country in the world, most countries in the world are not in charge of a decades-long military occupation. But you mentioned Hamas rocket strikes. I think we can both agree. Although we're seeing an apartheid state. Civilian buildings is wrong. Can we both agree on that? I think we can agree on that, right? That's common ground for us. Hamas firing rockets at civilian population is totally wrong. There is fully agreement with us on that. Agreed. You got me on. We're 100%. We agree. And yet today you had a 13-story residential apartment building in Gaza targeted by the Israeli Air Force destroyed. How is that not anything other than a war crime, a deliberate attack on a civilian target? You know, I think it's uh, actually very disfortunate that people are trying to equate the IDF response to Hamas as a terrorist organization. Uh, Israel acts in accordance with the international law. Uh, We target only Hamas targets, and every target that we're firing at uh, is being chosen very carefully. Uh, we do that with accordance of international law. In order he keeps to saying that, but the civilian casualties and collateral damage. And I know, don't think they have much regard for international law. The only organization, the only ones in the Middle East that actually care about international law. Hamas doesn't care. Palestinian Islamic Jihad doesn't care. And every loss of oh, life. But is unfortunate. You, you flattened. I mean, we, we, get, we, we, don't, we don't have time to get into an argument about international law. Suffice to say that most human rights groups criticize Israel for violating human rights law, and they criticize Hamas. But you leveled an apartment building. I think you gave them a one-hour warning to get out of the building. You think that's in line with humanitarian law to bomb a civilian apartment building in Gaza? You know, Hamas is using the Palestinians in Gaza as human shields. They're what? rockets at Israel from within centers of civilian population because they want to see these sites. They want to force Israel to respond and to see these sites. Now, also, Hamas and the Palestinian authorities are exaggerating. With Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? About the casualties and the children that were killed. Uh, and <laughs> no, I guess. Why are you hitting yourself? IDF strikes. But yeah. we know for a fact that six of these children, for example, were killed. The first time it was me Hamas holding your fist. Were misfired and fell in within okay. Gaza Strip, well, and they killed the Palestinians. So I'm taking any report just to, from just to be clear. I, I just want to be clear here, Elad. I just, I just, I just wanted to be clear. Let's find common ground. Are we now saying is your position? Because I'm sure militant groups are listening in from across the world. Is your position that apartment buildings are fair game if there's someone inside you don't like? Is that the position of the Israeli government tonight? 
You know, you say that you don't want to go into international law, but the question that you're asking is exactly a question of international law. It's a question it, of what is a legitimate target. It's a simple question. Are apartment buildings target, okay to bomb? If you, because I'm sure Hamas will say it's that. If a military uh, target, then it's a legitimate strike. If Hamas is using the target in order I'm, to hide weapons, in order to use it as a... A, a commanding so a, we can just call anything military side okay i mean it was an apartment building with hundreds of families and you told them to leave so you knew there were families in there gaza of course has erupted because of what's Hamas happened in east jerusalem with the expulsions of palestinian residents hold on let me ask my question let, let me ask my question, then you can respond. Your government says what's happening... Even his hair is smug! ...real estate dispute. Even though, under international law, the United Nations UN Resolution 478, which even Ronald Reagan didn't veto, makes it very clear that the world does not recognize Israel's occupation or annexation of East Jerusalem. In fact, UN officials said on Friday that your government could be guilty of possible war crimes in East Jerusalem under the Geneva Conventions as an occupier transferring its own population into occupied territory. Huh, weird timing, isn't it? Well, these lies being perpetuated toward Israel is old and they're not new. And the reality is that we're a law-abiding country. Wow. And right now, the dispute in Sheikh Jarrah, in East Jerusalem, is something that is being discussed in the Israeli courts. It's not yet decided, totally decided. And what we have tried to do, to do is actually to de-escalate the situation on the ground. And it was supposed to be discussed today in the Supreme Court, uh, which is the highest uh, abiding... Uh, law uh, in israel and we have asked the supreme court to postpone it because we wanted to de-escalate the tension on the ground but the reality is this is not that's just the israeli like that's right everybody is trying to escalate the situation the palestinian authority hamas is igniting the situation and and trying to prevent any but solution you say to the problem Ella, on the ground. okay you made that point. You say you're a law-abiding country. I put UN Resolution 478 up on screen, passed in 1980, which the Reagan administration did not veto, which says that your occupation and annexation of East Jerusalem is illegal under international law. 14 UN Security Council members voted for it. That's not... He says fake news. That's law. all. Fake news, and motherfucker. Human Rights Watch, Bet Salem, which is an Israeli human rights group. Trump card, Mitty. Israel for the first time of the crime of apartheid. And I know you vigorously reject that discrimination, that description, sorry, of the discrimination that Palestinians endure. But how would you describe these quotes from the deputy mayor of Jerusalem, Arya King, a settler leader who told the New York Times on Friday that these evictions are, quote, of course part of a wider strategy of installing layers of Jews, his words, throughout East Jerusalem. So, okay, it's not apartheid. What would you call that? So, you know, um, uh, the deputy mayor of Jerusalem is a politician from different politician uh, parties. I speak for, for the government. The question is, who does he speak for? And there are different opinions in Israel with different uh, uh, thoughts about how to approach that. And the reality is that you are trying to make the Sheikh Jarrah a dispute of five families that needs to be resolved. I'm not undermining five, six families that needs to be resolved is the core of the issue and this is not the core i i can resolve it it's their land shut the fuck up leave them alone the issue the core of the issue is that they have deeds that prove uh that they own uh, the land and there were compromises being offered to the families who yep. live there and they refused to those compromises because they were incited by the Palestinian authorities because they wanted us to get to where we I are mean, today. if we're going to get... And now they're trying... No, 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 he's saying we, we offered them money for the thing that we say we have a deed for. Why would you feel the need to offer them money if your deed was valid? 
We're going to get into for a Supreme Court ruling on that to see what's okay. uh, going to happen with that. Understood. Now, but if we're going to get into the legal, if we're going to get into your going to that legal. Maybe, if I may, I want to say something Hold else. on, if we're going to get into property the... deeds... Ella, let me ask a question. If Ella, Ella, you, I, no, you, you answered. If you're going to get into property deeds, if you're going to get into... Hold on, hold on, hold on, we're almost out of time. If we're going to get into... If we're going to get into property deeds, I'm sure there's a fair few thousands of Palestinian families who have property deeds and keys which are not being honoured by the Israelis. But you say he's just a deputy mayor. I mean, that's an elected official. Another deputy mayor of Jerusalem, Fleur Hassan Nahum, told the Times, quote, this is a Jewish country. There's only one. And of course, there are laws that some people may consider as favoring Jews. It's a Jewish state. Again, you say apartheid is a wrong description. How would you describe such language? From yep. Two yep. deputy yep. mayors elected, two deputy mayors of Jerusalem. Two deputy mayors. You say we're about. You say you say we don't have time, but you're taking what she said. For example, I assume out of context, because Israel is a Jewish state and is the national homeland of all Jews. But every minority and every group enjoy equal rights under the law. That's not and what she said. Ella. She said some laws group. favor Jews. That's not what the quote Maybe. says. Wanna, she talks about some laws favoring Jews and says that's the right thing to do. Would you condemn that language? You say you don't speak for these deputy mayors. Would you, as an Israeli government official, condemn Israeli officials <laughs> who talk about some laws favoring Jews, putting layers of Jews in East Jerusalem? You can condemn it tonight. Condemn it. Condemn it. Come on. Would you? Maybe. Maybe what I want to do is to condemn everyone who's trying to flare a very fragile and a very uh, sensitive place. Well, and that's you. Extremists from the right in Israel are trying to do. Extremists from the right uh, in uh, the Palestinian Authority. Extremists from the left. Everybody is trying to do that, and we need to try and find a way to de-escalate that. The Israeli government has done everything One. that we can to de-escalate it. In up of Ramadan, in up okay. of Jerusalem Day, uh, everything they can now, to de-escalate it, like you know, launch attacks. Uh, and, and I want to say one more thing because you okay. said we're about to Given, out of time. Hold on, hold on, hold on, no, no, no. I need to get, I need to. No, no, you're giving. I'm letting you give very long answers. We're out of time. One last quick question. You talk about de-escalation. That's hundreds of Palestinians in hospital tonight. Might disagree with that description, but <laughs> is growing in the U.S. You just heard Congresswoman Betty McCollum talking Israeli about her bill to prevent U.S. taxpayer dollars from being spent in the occupied territories. Even your own former ambassador to the U.S., Ron Dermer said over the weekend that Israel should prioritize the passionate and unequivocal support of evangelical Christians over that of American Jews, who he said are disproportionately among our critics. That's a pretty damning admission, isn't it? The Jews in the U.S. are against... (laughs) It's the evangelical Christians that support them. Very damning admission. You know, I'm not going to comment of my former boss who have uh, high appreciation uh, towards him, but I will tell you, as an Israeli official who speaks to you on an official capacity right now, the Jewish community is very important for us, and we're working tirelessly to work with both sides of the Jewish community, liberals and conservative, and also non-Jewish communities. Uh, Evangelical Christians is one of them, but not only. African American. How about giving rights to Palestinians? At least. At least. Well, give them the state back. All the fabrics of the American society. Uh, and we're totally out of time. So, one last question. Yes or no? <laughs> Can we take a yes or no? You speak for the Israeli government. Does the Israeli government support a two state solution? We promised under the Trump peace plan to keep the path for a uh, Palestinian statehood open. And this is the policy of the Israeli government. 
So not a yes. Elad Strohmeyer, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, Sam Cedar said yesterday, he's like, the time for a two-state solution has passed. It's a one-state solution. And that just like, I was stunned. I'm like, fuck, he might be right about that. And that, that's that's what Israel wanted. That was that was the goal all along with the settlements. I I don't know. It's way above my pay grade. Somebody who should not have spoke on the subject. Andrew Yang. Oh, I got to disable the ad blocker here. A Muslim community group in Queens disinvited Andrew Yang from a Ramadan event. For those who don't know, Andrew Yang is running for mayor of New York City. He was disinvited from a Ramadan event on Tuesday. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez harangued him over social media amid mounting outrage over the mayoral hopefuls' public support for Israel's deadly airstrikes on Palestinians this week. Yang, the frontrunner, and I, that's the first time I've heard him referred to as the frontrunner. Shit, I didn't know that. I hadn't kept up. Yang, the frontrunner in the crowded race to replace Mayor de Blasio, was supposed to help distribute groceries to Muslim families in need at the Astoria Welfare Society on Tuesday afternoon, but he told reporters that event organizers informed him last minute that it would be better if he did not attend. Ocasio-Cortez, who has yet to offer an endorsement in the mayoral race, was flabbergasted that Yang thought he'd be welcome at the Astoria Welfare Society event, which came ahead of Wednesday's uh, uh, Eid. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, which is the conclusion of the Ramadan fast, I believe it said. The conclusion of the Ramadan fast. Alhada? I couldn't have said that right. Eid. Eid. That phonetic pronunciation in Wikipedia was weird. Eid. Which came ahead of Wednesday's Eid, the conclusion of the Ramadan fast. A spokesman for Yang did not return a request for comment on Ocasio-Cortez rebuke. Representatives for the Astoria Welfare Society could not immediately be reached. Israel's military began uh, Israel's military began conducting airstrikes in uh, Palestinian Gaza on Monday after Hamas we know Exactly I it seems like the tide is turning 
that there aren't that many people rushing to defend Israel this time around. Hopefully. The critics of Israel seem stronger. But we, I... Who knows what things are going to look like next week. It could be an all-out war. Hopefully that doesn't occur. I... Nothing good's going to happen. Nothing good for the Palestinian people, that's for sure. I know. Okay, so last night, Representative Liz Cheney took to the floor of the House her last night as, uh, I forget what, uh, conference chairwoman or whatever the fuck her title was. Third in line in House leadership. So, Representative Liz Cheney last night giving an impassioned speech. You know, the topic, Mr. Speaker, is cancel culture. I have some thoughts about that. <laughs> uh, but tonight, I rise to discuss freedom and our constitutional duty to protect it. Mr. Speaker, I have been privileged to see firsthand how powerful and how fa- fragile freedom is. 28 years ago, I stood outside a polling place, a schoolhouse in western Kenya, Soldiers had chased away people who were lined up to vote. A few hours later, they came streaming back in, risking further attack, undaunted in their determination to exercise their right to vote. In 1992, I sat across a table from a young mayor in Nizhny Novgorod, Russia, and I listened to him talk of his dream of liberating his nation from communism. Years later, for his dedication to the cause of freedom, Boris Nemtsov was assassinated by Vladimir Putin's thugs. In Warsaw in 1990, I listened to a young Polish woman tell me that her greatest fear was that people would forget. They would forget what it was like to live under Soviet domination, that they would forget the price of freedom. Three men, an immigrant who escaped Castro's totalitarian regime, a young man who grew up behind the Iron Curtain and became his country's minister of defense. So even in her... who spent years... Even in her condemnation of Trump and the Republican Party and their unwillingness to accept the truth about the election, she had to come out and, <laughs> like, bash communism, socialism, Marxism... Got to come out with the Red Scare tactics. ...in the Soviet Gulag have all told me it was the miracle of America captured in the words of President Ronald Reagan that inspired them. And I have seen the power of faith and freedom. I listened to Pope John Paul II speak to thousands in Nairobi in 1985. And 19 years later, I watched that same Pope take my father's hands look in his eyes, and say, God bless America. God has blessed America, Mr. Speaker. I can't believe the Pope didn't take your father's hands, look into his eyes, and immediately just, like, his head explode on fire because he was looking at the literal fucking devil. But our freedom only survives if we protect it. If we honor our oath... Taken before God. This is Dick Cheney's daughter, in case. Support 
and defend Anyone is unaware, former Vice President. If we recognize threats to freedom when they arise. Today, we face a threat America has never seen before. A former president who provoked a violent attack on this Capitol in an effort to steal the election has resumed his aggressive effort to convince Americans that the election was stolen from him. He risks inciting further violence. Millions of Americans have been... Apparently, he had a bombshell announcement about something having to do with a court ruling in Michigan about the election. I don't know, because I didn't fucking read it, and I don't think anybody else did either, because nobody's paying attention to his little... WordPress blog site he's got. <laughs> been misled by the former president. They have heard only his words, but not the truth, as he continues to undermine our democratic process, sowing seeds of doubt about whether democracy really works at all. We like sowing the seeds of love around here. Republican, and the most conservative well, tears for fears for you is reverence for the rule of law. The Electoral College has voted. More than 60 state and federal courts, including multiple judges the former president appointed, have rejected his claims. The Trump Department of Justice investigated the former president's claims of widespread fraud. Safest and found no election in history. The election. That's what his. That is DHS cybersecurity expert said. process. Those who refuse to accept the rulings of our courts are at war with the Constitution. Our duty is clear. Every one of us who has sworn the oath must act to prevent the unraveling of our democracy. This is not about policy. This is not about partisanship. I'm enjoying the unraveling of your party, though. As Americans, remaining silent and ignoring the lie emboldens the liar. Yes. I will not participate in that. I will not sit back and watch in silence while others lead our party down a path that abandons the rule of law and joins the former president's crusade to undermine our democracy. As the party of Reagan, Republicans have championed democracy, won the Cold War, and defeated the Soviet communists. Today, Reagan. America is on the cusp of another Cold War, this time with communist China. Attacks against our democratic process and the rule of law empower our adversaries. And China is not an aggressor, by the way. Now, we can talk about them building islands to create military bases and shit. And like the South China, they're like, that, that's a whole other can of worms. But like China has spent like fucking nothing on war in the last fucking 50 years. Compared to America... It's all we goddamn do. So what Cold War? The, the thing that China's doing is going around to all these underfunded, underdeveloped countries and being like, here, let us be your big brother and build roads and fucking bridges and schools and shit for you. And they're getting a foothold all over the world. We need to compete with China doing that kind of shit. Not saber-rattling like we're going to go over and bomb the crap out of them. But, I mean, she's a Cheney. What do you expect? Feed communist propaganda that American democracy is a failure. 
We must speak the truth. American democracy isn't a failure. And America democracy always saves us. I received a message it's last capitalism time. that's the failure, ma'am. Who said standing up for the truth honors all who gave all. We must all strive to be worthy of the sacrifice of those who have died for our freedom. Because that, that, that annoys me more than anything. She put it as a dichotomy between communism and democracy. Communism is an economic system. Communism, capitalism. Democracy is a form of government. What the Republicans always try to scare people about is totalitarianism. The regime she was talking about were totalitarian or authoritarian. That's the problem. Democracy is the answer. She didn't... The Republican Party doesn't like democracy. They're the patriots, Catherine Lee Bates described in the words of America the Beautiful when she wrote, O beautiful for heroes proved in liberating strife, who more than self their country loved, and mercy more than life. Ultimately, Mr. Speaker, this is at the heart of what our oath requires, that we love our country more, that we love her so much that we will stand above politics to defend her, that we will do everything in our power to protect our Constitution and our freedom that has been paid for by the blood of so many. We must love America so much that we will never yield in her defense. That is our duty. Who was the audience for that? Who was that a speech to? Because if that was meant to endear her to me or the left, I get Romney. Yeah, I we're, we're going to talk about that. There's like a hundred Republicans who are calling for a reform or a new party. I guess that's the audience. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Of course, the vote to remove her from her leadership position taking place earlier today. It took only 16 minutes before the House Republican Conference met Wednesday morning I, to uh, oust. Oh, shit. Do, uh, everything I can. Uh, we're going we're gonna to come back to her statement here in just a second. Before the House Republican Conference met Wednesday morning to oust the Wyoming Congresswoman, from her position as the third-ranking Republican member in Congress. Sources told CNN they expected it to be quick. But it happened so quickly that some members arrived just in time for the vote. It stood in contrast to the more than four-hour meeting and vote that took place on February 4th that kept Cheney in leadership at the time. Following her vote to impeach former President Donald Trump for his role in inciting the January 6th insurrection... Today's meeting began with Cheney giving remarks to her colleagues, where she once again called out Trump for the big lie that the 2020 election was stolen, and other Republicans who aided his efforts to overturn the loss, urging that she would lead the fight to restore our party and our nation to conservative principles. Sources told CNN that when she criticized Trump, she was booed, booed by some of her colleagues. She concluded her remarks with a prayer 
which earned her a standing ovation, according to Rep. Ken Buck. Then, uh, Representative Virginia Fox of North Carolina made the motion to recall Cheney, thus formally beginning the process of removing her as conference chair. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy spoke briefly, and a voice vote was called. Because it was a voice vote, there is no tally of those who supported or opposed Cheney. A source in the room told CNN that McCarthy made the same points he wrote in his letter released on Monday before the vote. Another source told CNN that five lawmakers stood to request a recorded vote to remove Cheney from from the leadership. But that did not happen, and the gavel came down. Wow! Oh, that's crazy. They they didn't want a record of who voted for and against her. We don't even know if she actually got ousted. I I bet it was close. Go ahead, we'll listen to her comments. This is after she was removed from her leadership position. And to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger uh, that he continues to provoke with his language. Uh, We have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution. Uh, And I think it's very important that we make sure whomever we elect is somebody who will be faithful to the Constitution. I just want to add one thing. Um, Liz Cheney just said, I will do everything I can to make sure the former president never gets anywhere near the Oval Office. That is her long game. And as she said, she plans to, quote, lead the fight. She is now unleashed. She can say whatever she wants about So, good I am going to enjoy watching that leading into 2024. That will be fun. Now, I do want to point out that Liz Cheney was far more in line with Trump than Elise Stefanik. I think I said it wrong, actually. I think I heard uh, Nomiki Key say it a different way, and I'm like, oh, I bet that is how it's said. I can't remember. Stefanik? I've I've been calling her at least Stefanik. I'm I'm probably butchering it. I I spend too much time harping on it. Names are important to people. Call people by their names because like people have egos and they're like it's from uh, how to win friends and influence people. Uh Step on Snake. <laughs> I thought you were actually giving me the phenotic. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I'm, 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 I'm throwing off my game now. But she, she, but test. Elise Stefanik only voted with Trump like 70-something percent of the time, where Cheney voted with him like 90% of the time on the on the Trump agenda in the House. So it's weird that they are replacing Cheney with Stefanik. What, Possibot? I have no clue what that is. 
Here is House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. I think that is all over with. We're sitting here with the president today. Um, so from that point of view, I don't think that's a problem. Fill in, the, fill, in, fill in the gaps for us because the White House has talked about a $2 trillion package, give or take, by raising corporate tax. Republicans are talking about five, $600 billion on infrastructure, user fees. You don't want to raise corporate taxes. They don't want user fees. There's a lot of zeros and commas in between. How do you come to some sort of middle ground? Not to negotiate here, but you won't find any Republicans going to go raise taxes. I think that's the worst so, thing you do in this economy when you watch Well, he's absolutely wrong. We we've got the data that proves him wrong. But this is this is before they met with Biden. This was like the first time all the leadership of the House Senate sat down with the White House. This is like 2017. It's like apparently the time that like Nancy Pelosi wagged her finger at Trump. He just was like, nope. No more mistake you could make. Remember the economy we had when we lowered taxes. Yeah, they're not talking about it anymore. But like he, he, his point was that nobody is questioning the legitimacy of the 2020 election. But we're going to see what happens when Cyber Ninja finishes their audit in Maricopa County in Arizona. More than 100 Republican former officials to seek reforms and are threatening a new party. They released a call for reforms within the GOP alongside a threat to form a new party if change isn't forthcoming, a person familiar with the effort said. The statement set to be released Thursday involves a call for American renewal. The credo that declares that it is imperative to either reimagine a party dedicated to our founding ideals or else hasten the creation of such an alternative. We might actually be seeing the split of the Republican Party. They're wigging themselves out of existence. The push will include 13 yet-to-be-revealed principles that the signatories want the GOP to embrace. This is not the first group to form as the, and it's just like the Lincoln Project that's going to come out like they were molesting children or something. Just That's the track record of Republican groups. This is not the first group to form as the pro-Trump and traditional conservative factions of the Republican Party. The new effort comes as a vote looms to oust Liz Cheney. Clearly this was written before the vote which took place earlier today. The move was first reported by Reuters, which cited some of the people involved. Former New Jersey Governor Christine Todd Whitman. Tom Ridge. Mary Peters. Charlie Dent. Barbara Comstock. All completely irrelevant figures. Evan McMullen. Wow, that's really going to be... That's going to make some headlines. That isn't Liz Cheney, and you've got some real star power there. A push to channel anti-Trump sentiment with the never-Trump movement in the spring of 2016 was largely unsuccessful at the time, and none of the people backing this latest effort are serving as elected Republicans. However, it comes as Trump's pull within the party appears to have lessened A recent NBC News poll found that 44% of Republicans said they support Trump more than the GOP, compared to 50% who said they support the GOP more than the former president. 
I kind of find that hard to believe. I think the Republican Party is full of absolute nut jobs and morons. One of the biggest morons in the Republican Party, Marjorie Taylor Greene. With my colleagues who stand with me along with most Americans against racism. I think the question everyone needs to ask themselves is who stood... I don't think a white lady from Georgia needs to be preaching to anybody about who stands against racism. ...in line before they were born and got to pick the color of their skin. No one. The very idea that we should divide any of us, especially our children, based on our skin color is wrong. It's racist, it's immoral, and that tears people apart. Teachers should never ever put down a child or make them feel bad about themselves based on any characteristic about their body, their skin color. Well, well you guys know what's coming here, right? Color, what kind of hair they have, what their face looks like, tall or short, how good they are at something. Teachers are supposed to bring our kids together and build them up, not tear them apart based on their... No, ma'am. Teachers are supposed to eat spaghetti and suck on a man's nipple. <laughs> That's a callback to last night, guys. Totally a story. Check the YouTube if you don't know what I'm talking about. Skin color or what they're telling them about their skin color. That's awful. Any mom and dad knows that I'm really happy I am a mom. That's the greatest blessing in my life. I thought she was going to say she was really happy she's white. And they play with the other kids on the playground. They're just playing games. They're not picking their friends based on the color of their skin. At least that's not the America that I know. And I don't know anyone that lives in that kind of America. She's from Georgia! Race theory, 1619... <laughs> This is a project that is destroying our country. These are the things that we overcame in the civil rights era, and I'm so proud that we did. I'm you didn't overcome shit! Introducing strong legislation against the critical race theory. I ask everyone to join together, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, and I don't cares, to stand together against racism of all kinds, of every kind of racism, and stand against this kind of racism, the critical race theory. Thank you very much. So a curriculum which talks about the racism and colonialism in the history of the United States, which is just fucking fact. Remember, she's from Georgia. They had to burn down Atlanta. Georgia is so racist, they had to burn down Atlanta, ma'am. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. We already got over it. God, stop bringing it up. So, uh, one of the Fox News talking heads. Yeah, while we keep doing it. That's a, that's an important aside there. Uh, Martha McCollum brought on the head of the teachers union to talk about critical race theory. I'm sure this is, um sure this is enlightening 
Randy, thank you very much for sticking around with us. I want to ask you about this because it's become such a hot topic. And you have said that... Uh, it's become such a hot topic because you guys keep fucking rallying about it constantly. It's your new boogeyman. Um, we quoted you on the way to the break that, you know, that there is... That this is a factual finding, the 1619... Um, report that was put together in the New York Times that now has been converted to learning materials that are in classrooms and are parts of curriculum. Do you believe that 1619 is a factual program? I, so, um, Martha, I believe that I'm a history teacher and I'm a social mm -hmm. studies teacher, and I believe we should teach history. Mm -hmm. um, and from everything I can see and understand from the data I see, 1619 was the year that the first slave um, boat came from Africa to the Correct. United States. So that's a point in history that I think we should be teaching. But that's, I mean, that's very simplistic, um, you know, take on it. I mean, the, the 1619 pride. Simplistic take on it. Do please describe the 1619 Project. I'm sure we're going to get a very in-depth description of it from Martha McCollum. Project teaches that, the, that that's the true beginning and the founding of our nation, not 1776, and that the reason for the revolution and the colonization was because people wanted to preserve, colonists wanted to preserve slavery, that the country was founded on the basis of wanting to preserve slavery, but that is not factual. Okay, not okay, factual. like, it, it, is, it is so bad. I had a, a knockout, drag-out fight in the comments with a right-winger the other day telling me that Thomas Jefferson abhorred slavery and ended the slave trade in the U.S. Now, what he's talking about is that Thomas Jefferson ended the import of slaves. Most certainly did not end the slave trade in the U.S., most certainly did not abhor slavery because he owned slaves. He raped one of them very famously. Not true. In fact, scholars in this area say there's no evidence that colonists were motivated by that in coming to the United States. So it would be wrong as a historian to want to teach them something that is not true because that's the basis that sets up all these other tenants. Did you see how she framed that? That was a different... Kids ...that we live in a... She said that's not the reason the colonists came to the United States. That's true. She's correct. That's not the opposing side. That's not what we're arguing. Systemically racist country. So I would actually say that I've had several conversations with Nicole Hannah-Jones, mm -hmm. and I have not arrived at the same conclusion from her work as you have. But let's put it this way. Well, that's not my conclusion. That's directly from their work. But go ahead. What? I would hope that Fox would be just as focused on let's get rid of the misinformation about what happened in this election. This election was this, oh, free. Come on, Randy. This is not the topic that we're here to talk about. I'm not going to talk about that. We've talked about that before, but that is, no, you're, that's a dodge, okay? Because children in this country, we rank 36th in math, okay? That's about midway of all the developed nations in this country. So I am asking you. Yeah, we tried to change it. We tried to change it and institute this way of doing math, which teaches analytical thinking. 
and problem solving, and you guys call it new math and are scared to fucking death of it. Teaching students that 1619 is more important than 1776. Do you favor that? That's not what, that's not. I favor us teaching about 1776, which I have often done. Mm -hmm. I favor us teaching about 1619. I also favor us teaching about the Holocaust and the genocide in terms of the Absolutely. Holocaust. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I, I learned about all those, uh, all those things in school that you just mentioned, but the problem is, do you, you, do you think that it's wrong to suggest to children that be, if they're white, they belong to an oppressor class? They probably celebrated the Holocaust when she was in school. Do you have any problem with that? I think it's, I think, I think we should be lifting up all ethnicities. I don't think we should say that one is an oppressor class and yep. one is a non-oppressor class. I am a big believer in celebrating diversity and mm-hmm. actually, actually looking at and helping look at people's lived experience. But if you're really talking about misinformation now, Martha, and I hope you are, I really would hope that Fox would really look at what happened in this election and how we can, because every social studies teacher is wrestling with this. Fox fired, fired the man who correctly called Arizona for Joe Biden. Fox fired the man who correctly called, Fox was the first one to call Arizona for Joe Biden. They were correct. The guy that that did the, his job the best that night, Fox fired. Concern fact from fiction. We have to do that. So what? Social yeah, we, we have. Uh, well, we have a president. President Biden uh, was elected in 2020. I, I think that all of that is is quite clear. Um, so I, I'm not sure why your viewers don't. Concerned with, with your viewers, though. That's what we're so concerned. Moment in history, every election is significant. Nobody is hiding anything under any rocks here. But I, but I do want to, you know, the fact that you have two teachers, you have two people who just made it onto the school board in Texas, right? Um, they won by 40 points because they said, you know what, this stuff parents, you better become aware of it. Because if you think that it's just, oh, the first ship came um, with slaves on it in 1619, you better dig in a little bit deeper because there's more to it than that. And then you watch Tim Scott, right, who stood up in front of the country and said, America is not a racist nation. There are racism incidents. There is racism. We all recognize that. But if you raise children in this country believing that it's a bad country that was founded in wanting Draw, to man. preserve slavery, which is well, I mean, it, that that's not as true. That's true. It was system, and apparently people noticed it in that district in Texas, and they voted in people that they think are going to fearmongering got them elected. That is clear to all the parents. Exactly, Martha. I know you love having me on. Too. And I mean, Fox knows the power of fearmongering. Discussing it with you, I, I think it's. Yeah, I, I mean, I respect I you, and I like America. discussing this with you because it's important. I love, I love America. My grandparents came from the Ukraine. My grandfather was persecuted, almost killed on his way to the United States. I love America, and I am so grateful that I live in a nation that can actually see how to make itself better. And that's what we try to do in education all 
the time. And so, look, I think we should be teaching about 1776. I think we should yeah. be teaching about all of the civil rights laws. I think we should actually be doing more with civics and science in school. And I do think that we should actually be talking about when the slave trade started. In- and, uh, that's another thing I wonder when they talk about school choice. I wonder if they're wanting to get paid to, to teach their kids at home. I, I, is that coming? Is that a movement that's already percolating that I don't even know about? They want the federal government to give them funds to sit at home and teach their kids that the dinosaurs never existed or Jesus rode a dinosaur or some fucking stupid shit. That's, that's, that's what's coming, isn't it? You know, in a place we now call America. All of those things are I don't think anybody has any problem with all the things that you just listed. Those things are absolutely you do! Not, not the issue that, that we're discussing, and I agree with you on all of those. And um, I, I want to thank you, because I do, I think it's a good debate. Um, yes, Martha, the issues that you had are made up. <laughs> and your stupid-ass propaganda on Fox causes people to go and do stupid shit like this. Go to a school board meeting. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now I have a dream that we will implement love, not hate, or supporting another Jim Crow's agenda. CRT is not an honest dialogue. It is a tactic that was used by Hitler and the Ku Klux Klan on slavery's... You're getting very upset. Now, I will point out, especially if you're listening to the audio version of this, this is a black lady. She's, she's like visibly shaking right now. This dialogue is a tactic that was used by Hitler and the Ku Klux Klan on slavery very many years ago to dumb down my ancestors so we could not think for ourselves. CRT is racist. It is abusive. It discriminates against one's color. Let me educate you. An honest dialogue does not impress, oppress. An honest dialogue does not implement hatred or injustice. It's to communicate with deceiving, without deceiving people. Today, we don't need your agreement. We want action in the backbone for what we asked for today, to ban CRT. We don't want your political advertisement to divide our children or belittle them. Think twice before you indoctrinate such racist theories. You cannot tell me what is or is not racist. Look at me. I had to come down here today to tell you to your face that we are coming together and we are strong. This will not be the last. Greet and meet respectfully. I don't know what she's upset over. Even more than McCullough, like, I don't know what she's talking about. Nobody knows what any of these people are talking about. Oh, yeah, the school choice about attending schools out of the district or being able to attend a private institution like a fucking Christian school and that the government gives you a voucher for that. I'm thinking it's going to pop up into this homeschool movement. And they're going to want vouchers to keep their, their kids at home. I I feel sorry for that lady we just watched. I tried to find more information on it. To like, to, to see like who she was, where she was at. Like, I don't know. It happened in Loudoun County. The YouTube video I found, all of them were just from right wing sides. Uh, parent destroys critical race theory. It's a minute-long clip. I don't know how you can destroy anything in a minute. 
Believe me, I destroy people's arguments for a living. Takes me a lot longer than a minute. Another uh, bullshit crisis we have going on, perpetuated by right-wingers, is the worker shortage. Now, multiple states are choosing to opt out of the $300 plus up from the federal government. This story from WKYT. A single mother feels left behind by the order to end unemployment benefits early. And this, so all this entire time, I've just been making the argument that the people on unemployment, they, they rightfully deserve the money. They're either laid off or let go. So it was rightful. I didn't even, I didn't even think about people with children and how it can impact different situations. And plus like, I shouldn't have to make emotive arguments and tug on anybody's heartstrings just because everybody should be for a more expansive unemployment all the time, UBI all the time, more generous benefits from the government because it helps our economy. Just like the data is indisputable. Giving money to poor people is always good because they always spend it in their local economies. It spurs growth. But besides that, I I didn't even think about the cruelty these Republican governors are inflicting on people. Governor Henry McMaster doubled down on his decision to stop federal pandemic programs two months early on Tuesday. Coming to us from South Carolina, the day after appearing on Fox News saying the Biden administration's COVID relief proposals put the state on the path to socialism. None of these motherfuckers know what the word socialism means. McMaster said it is time to get rid of benefits that are disincentivizing people to work. The threat is much less than it was before, McMaster said about the virus. According to the South Carolina Department of Employment and Workforce, there are 81,000 open positions in the state of South Carolina with 120,000 unemployed workers as of March. Okay, so the funds are administered through a state system. I don't think there's anything Biden can do. I that, I've, I've racked my brain on this. I don't think... He can stop it. That's why, like, in order to make sure the payments continue, the federal government would have to flip and institute its own system, which they have. They could do it through the IRS because they already have our bank account information, the way they do the direct deposits. They don't want to do it because it would be the path to UBI. There's a lot of things the Biden administration doesn't want to do because it's opening the door to things that progressives would really like. Yes, I need to do my taxes as well. We all have five days to do our taxes. The extended deadline, and I'm sorry if you might be watching this from a state where the state didn't extend their deadline. Most states extended it to match the federal deadline of May 17th. So, five days to do your taxes. There's a lot of things that the Biden administration doesn't want to do because it would open the door to other things. 
And I think direct payments constantly. Okay, you're fine then. I've I've got to file income taxes in my state. I'm probably going to have to pay my state, as I always do. But for Ashley Duvall, staying at home isn't a choice despite wanting to go back to work. Duvall gave birth to her first son in February 2020 and was on leave from her job when the state started to lock down. As a single mom with a 14-month-old child, she says her only hope of going to work is finding childcare. It's not fair to moms or even dads who have to stay home because there is no childcare, and when there is childcare, it's expensive, she said about the governor's decision. Duvall said she has looked. Uh, she has worked since she was 16, but now she is living off of previous stimulus checks, her tax returns, and the goodwill of her landlords, who are generous about her rent. She said she only received unemployment benefits for a short time, despite qualifying for them because of a mix-up that has been sending her checks to a previous address. An issue she said she is still tr- struggling to get fixed. There's still people. And they didn't even got their fucking checks from filing last year. But even then, the potential of an influx of cash at the end of the summer was keeping her going. McMaster said there are open child care facilities across the state and he's working to expand 4K education. But Duvall said she keeps being put on wait lists for daycares and government assistance programs. That's why a lot of right-wingers don't know how absolutely fucking difficult it is to collect any kind of government benefit, and the means testings they, they have put in place absolutely take up so much of your fucking time. I know this because I collected food stamps when I was in college, and the hoops I had to jump through in order to do that and you have to work in order to even get food stamps while you're in college. It is insane. I And once again, this has been my position for years now. Every American should get $300 a month in food stamps. End of discussion. Fuck it, make it $350. What am I basing that on? I received $200 a month in food stamps when I was in college. And that wasn't enough to buy my groceries all month. $300 seems like that could have bought my groceries all month per person. Finally, some politicians are speaking up about the unemployment benefits. Representative Cooper speaks out against Tennessee's plan to end federal unemployment benefits. Lee announced on Tuesday, this is Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee, that he will opt out of the state's federal unemployment benefits beginning on July 3rd. The move by Republican Lee has drawn backlash from Democrats, including Representative Cooper. Cooper's statement is, why would Governor Lee take $300 a week from unemployed Tennesseans to force them to go back to work even if they are sick, they have no child care, or there are no jobs for them? I voted to give Tennesseans this help during the pandemic, but Governor Lee is taking it away. Is that how he would want to be treated? Is he obeying the golden rule? Is that what Jesus would do? 
You would think it would make them resentful, but I mean, look at the comment sections of any local news article about the subject. Capitalism has rotted people's brains. It's a weird type of Stockholm Syndrome. Governor Lee says cutting the compensation is part of Lee's plan to get Tennesseans to return to work. And then look, look how the claims have fallen. These were claims in Tennessee back in the spring of last year. 321,000 a day. This was in April. There was 49,000 claims on May 1st. Claims have fallen drastically. I know the unemployment rate in my state isn't all that high uh, compared to what it usually is. So I don't know what these people are talking about. And of course, while these states are beginning to revoke unemployment payments from people, we also have a looming end to the eviction moratorium. This is a roof of a renter where their landlord has pay, uh, has painted their name on the roof and how much they owe and then next to it written MAGA. Holy shit. So it says they owe $11,000 in rent. Uh, It says Lancaster. Looks like it's in Lancaster, New York. This is uh, a post from 7 Eyewitness News out of Buffalo, New York. Wild. I forget when the eviction moratorium ends, but I want to say it's September. Right around the time unemployment was was set to end. It might be through the end of the year, though. I don't think we're finished with the pandemic. If you, if you look at a chart of the 1918 pandemic, it comes roaring back in the fall. And we've just let it run wild, all kinds of variants. I'm hoping not. Mate, no, 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 I, I'm an optimist. I'm going to buy my tickets to Bonnaroo for the first week of September. But I, I'm also a realist and I'm looking at what's going on. All right, updates on a couple of stories we talked about last night. Man killed six and his self in Colorado Springs because he wasn't invited to the party. It's a dumb fuck right winger. So he could so he could maggot everybody. So he could virtue signal. They love doing that. They love wagging their dicks at other MAGA people. 
So the dumb fuck who shot up a party and then killed himself did it because he wasn't invited. The shooter was 28-year-old Tidoro uh, Macias. I probably butchered that. He had been in a relationship with one of the victims, 28-year-old Sandra Ibarra, for about a year and had a history of controlling and jealous behavior. Colorado Springs Police Lieutenant Joe uh, Frabiel said at a news conference, police said there were no reported incidents of domestic violence during the relationship and that the shooter didn't have a criminal history and no protective orders were in place. Oh, man, the children shot were 2, 5, uh, oh, the children at the party ages 2, 5, and 11 were not hurt. Oh, shit, oh, he only shot the adults, okay. Well, it's still fucking horrific, but at least the, at least he spared the children. They were all orphaned by the shooting. Fuck! Fucking coward. So I was trying to look at like how they determined that he snapped because he wasn't invited to the party. Can't exactly At the core of this horrific act is domestic violence, the police chief said, adding that the gunman had displayed power and control issues. About a week before the shooting, there was another family gathering where there was some sort of conflict between the family and the perpetrator. Yeah, I wasn't going to take another shot at his name. What's up, Big Ben? Welcome. Update on the shooting from Times Square. The suspect has been arrested. Farrakhan Mohammed arrested near Jacksonville, Florida on Wednesday morning. Sources confirmed to Fox News that 31-year-old Farrakhan Mohammed was arrested. Mohammed was nabbed while eating fast food in a McDonald's parking lot in Stark, Florida with his girlfriend. With his girlfriend was cooperative with investigators when they arrested him. He was charged... He changed his appearance, particularly the way he styled his hair after the shooting. NYPD Chief of Detectives James Essig said during a news conference Wednesday that investigators followed leads to obtain the... to obtain... They obtained from Crime Stoppers tips and other investigative measures to determine that Muhammad was traveling out of state and heading south. He is now in custody. On the docket for today, well, we've already covered Israel. We covered Liz Cheney's ouster. We covered the gas shortage. And now we're going to talk about the story I didn't want to talk about, but now I'm fascinated by this fucking picture. Teen takes chilling Snapchat right after allegedly killing cheerleader. The Snapchat is just one of the social media posts being looked into by authorities. A 14-year-old boy in Florida made a Snapchat post about the 13-year-old girl he's accused of killing. 
The St. John's County Sheriff's Office announced in a public statement that Aiden uh, Fucci was arrested and charged with second-degree murder. Fucci is uh, accused of fatally stabbing Tristan Bailey, a seventh-grade cheerleader who reportedly went to the same school and grew up in the same neighborhood. Bailey's cause of death was sharp forced trauma by stabbing. Oh God, it is going to split the party even more. And that's, that's, that's the cool thing is I thought she might make a play for being a Democrat. That, that speech she gave was not to endear herself to the Democratic Party. And we're going to know tomorrow, we did the story about there is a hundred Republicans that are going to be coming out tomorrow with their plans to either reform the Republican Party or start their own new party. So we're going to be hearing about that. But the list of people involved is going to get a lukewarm reception. The Lincoln Project had more star power. After Fuji was arrested, he took a selfie for Snapchat, captioning it, Hey guys, has anybody seen Tristan lately? In the photo, the unhandcuffed teen can be seen in a reflection holding up a peace sign. Let's see if we have the have the picture here. But there you can you can see part of it right there. That shit's chilling. And I watched a little bit of his appearance in court. Hey, like, I'm no psychologist, but he seemed like a little sociopath. Now, on to a story that I found hilarious. Not as funny as the teacher eating spaghetti and then sucking a man's nibble. That just, that tickled me. My taint has never never been that tickled before. Los Angeles area man disguised himself as a white guy to commit over 30 home burglaries, according to police. There you can see his mask. A black man who used a lifelike mask with fake hair to disguise himself as a white guy while committing a series of home burglaries in L.A. was arrested last week. Investigators have also uh, linked... Rock'em Prowl, which is a cool name, to some 30 home burglaries. If you want to know about the teacher, that is on my YouTube channel. Like, that's it, like, she ate some spaghetti and sucked a man's nipple, but there's so much more to it. <laughs> that was just a, uh, that was just a summation of what happened. Investigators linked Prowl to a pair of home burglaries in the affluent suburb committed on April 20th and July 20th, 2020. Investigators linked his vehicle to the crimes through surveillance video, police said. In images released by authorities, the suspect is seen with the mask and wearing glasses. So this is, this is what he actually looks like. Oh, man. Ah, why can't I see the... Hold on, let's see if we can... Yeah, yeah, there, there is what he looked like with the get-up on. Apparently, the cops were able to determine that it was a mask 
because he always had his mouth gaping open like that and all the surveillance video they had of him. That's a pretty good costume. <laughs> it is kind of creepy though, especially looking at it just laid out like that. I think he pulls it off well though. The judge in Minneapolis ruled today that there were aggravating factors in the death of George Floyd, which paves the way for a longer sentence for Derek Chauvin. Wish Rocky Flame was here with us. She would be incredibly happy. I can't close my mouth, duh. In his ruling made public on Wednesday, Hennepin County District Judge Peter Cahill found that Chauvin abused his authority as a Minneapolis police officer when he restrained Floyd in May of 2020, and that he treated Floyd with particular cruelty. The ruling also found that Chauvin committed his crime as part of a group with the active participation of at least three officers, ACAB, and acted with children present which brought international attention to his death. Chauvin is scheduled to be sentenced on June 25th with aggravating factors legal experts have said he's unlikely to get more than 30 years. But hey, he's also facing charges for the 14-year-old he kneeled on. And he's now facing federal hate crime charges. So I have a feeling Derek Chauvin is not going to be seeing the outside ever again. Also, there's his tax fraud case. I haven't heard an update on that one. It seems like he's had more pressing issues than the tax fraud. I think they might just go ahead and throw that out. Also, in legal news, the judge has dismissed... The NRA bankruptcy case, which means it's now more likely than not that the NRA is not going to exist in the very near future. A federal bankruptcy judge dismissed an effort by the National Rival Association to declare bankruptcy on Tuesday, ruling that the gun rights group had not filed the case in good faith. The ruling slams the door on the NRA's attempt to use bankruptcy laws to evade New York officials seeking to dissolve the organization. In his decision, the federal judge said that using this bankruptcy case to address a regulatory enforcement problem was not a permitted use of bankruptcy. Hell yeah! So... That was me wanting to end on some good news for the night. Now, for our final story, I always like to do animal stories. And I would like to ingratiate you guys tonight with some hot well-on-well action. Oh, oh, oh. Content warning, fuckers. We have some drone footage Showing whales off the coast of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. In a loving embrace. I'm sorry, this... This wasn't content warning at all. This was wholesome content. Let's watch it again. 
Uh, they're probably like fighting or some shit. We don't know uh, how whales fight. <laughs> so who knows what we're looking at? Maybe they're getting ready to mate. Maybe they're just besties. Who knows? All right. It has been a while since we have dropped in on my good friend, Riverboat Jack. So if you are watching on Twitch, I'm going to dump you guys off with Jack. I'm going to come in and hang out with you for a little bit. Be sure to click on Jack's channel. Go ahead. Light one up. Tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin'. We will see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol. Live!